Today's Issues continues on AFR with your host, Tim Wildman, president of the American Family Association. Hey, welcome back to today's issues on the American Family Radio Network. Tim with Ed, Tim Wildman, Ed Battagliano, Steve Jordan joins us. Good morning, Steve. Good morning. How are you, sir? I'm well. It's a it's a great weekend. You had it's, a great weekend. It's, it's what Monday. was the highlight of your weekend? It's Monday, Steve. It's um, I tell you what, the highlight of my weekend was when my wife and I went out for lunch with a couple, and uh, she we're selling her house from. In a house that she lived in, she owned before. Your wife? My wife's old house. Gotcha. It has years and years of her stuff in it. This is before we were married that she owned this house. And now it's got, uh, she's trying to clean it out. And she's trying to decide which stuff to take to our house now. Should have waited, which... Steve, you should have waited to get married till after she did that. I know. <laughs> she wouldn't have done it unless we got married. But one of her friends said that she would be glad to come and help her do this. And I am taking that as a sign that I am now relieved of that duty. <laughs> I just can't tell you how okay, glad I am Steve. about that. You better rethink that. Yeah. I, I, here, here's, <laughs> yeah. here's your yeah. first mistake. Yeah. Okay. As a veteran, it's, as a veteran of many years of marriage, David Tagliano says what? It, you should not have said this publicly. It, <laughs> <laughs> Is that right? It's, yes. Yep. You should not have just said on the air where she can go back and listen to the podcast. Well, she's yep. listening now, I'm sure. Yeah, you said, now that her friend's here, I'm thinking that this means I am not, I can bail out. You better. She you, told us that privately. You better go down in your back or something, Steve. <laughs> uh, I'm just telling you. You better we'll you find out. get something together. Uh Okay, Steve, what is your first story to bring to the attention of our listening family? Well, I heard you guys talking about the Olympics, and I got to tell you the strangest story that's coming out of the Olympics that's passed my attention. Well, this so is going to take something. The this cardboard beds? Is it cardboard beds? No, and it's not a robot shooting uh, baskets in the Olympics. I don't know if you saw that. A half court shot? No. They have, a, they have a robot now at the Olympics. You can look it up, and it's he's shooting. He shoots from free throw. He shoots from the three point line. He shoots from half court, and he's nailing every one of them. All right, does he kneel during the national anthem? I don't think so. I don't think so. Because <laughs> I'm giving them a big thumbs up to the robot. That's right. right. But th- this is the story. So, you know, we've talked about this uh, guy named Laurel Hubbard, who's the first transgender athlete to be lifting. He's a guy that's lifting on the women's team for New Zealand. Not the first transgender athlete to play in the Olympics because he, pl- he hasn't lifted that, or at least he wasn't the first. There is a, a woman, <laughs> and her name is Quinn. Now, this is, this is strange. She was born Rebecca Catherine Quinn. Okay. She is deciding that she is transgender. She is playing on the women's soccer team from Canada, for Canada, but she has decided that she's not, no longer female. She's kind of non, non-gendered. She goes by they, them pronouns, and so she is being hailed as a hero for being the first transgender person to play in the Olympics. She's a woman playing on the women's Olympic team. <laughs> But but she because she, she because she but, but claiming she's not anything she's not anything so so then why is she playing on the women's team that's your well point. she she can still do that because she can play wherever she wants to apparently that I, I, <laughs> hey I'll give you some I'll give you Steve when you said the strangest story that is the strangest thing I've heard coming out of the Olympics so far I know it's just like. Okay, so she's she's woman enough to play on the women's that's team. That's right. 
but she's not declaring herself to be a woman. No, but she is. Hey, she's a hero. Uh, this, I, I was at a restaurant is, last night. Yeah. And they had the Olympic Games on. Yeah. And uh, have you guys ever watched this water polo? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, when I was going, let me just quickly inject. Yeah. When I was going to Boston College, one of my roommates played on the BC water polo team. Okay. That's I, a hard I, sport. I, I've often thought it's either uh, basketball or soccer that was the most uh, in, uh, cardio intensive sports, mm-hmm. right? I mean, at least in, in football, at least you get a 30 second break. Right. Okay, and then uh, in in baseball, it's it, you know it's uh, doesn't move nearly as fast. You right. don't, I mean, you're sprinting to first base, but I mean, these guys. I was watching these guys on this water polo team. Well, you've seen them live, oh, yeah. And I had no idea that they went so far from one end of the pool to the other. I mean, they're probably going thirty yards. Mm-hmm. It's over their head. They're not. They they're can't swimming. touch the bottom. Yeah, they if, tread if, water. If you, if you haven't watched this, folks. What it's it's like it's really like soccer or ice hockey in water. These people the 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 goals are. I I would like to look at the pool, but I'm guessing that you have to go thirty yards from one end of the look that up from one end of the Got pool it. to the other. Every time the ball goes to the other team, you have to swim back and play defense. Then you have to swim forward to play offense. And then the guys are hanging over each other, and and I don't know how they grip the ball. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the ball's wet. I yeah, but it, it's it's of a grippable material. But tell you, uh, water polo can be a very brutal sport. It's a famous game. It was in the Olympics. It was before nineteen. It was in the seventies uh, or the sixties. I can't remember what, but it was the USSR against one of their satellite nations. I think it was like Poland or Czechoslovakia, and I mean everybody came out with bloody noses. They were they were. They were battering each other in the yeah. pool. Well, I, have right. a, I have a new appreciation for that sport. I think that's the most cardio-intensive sport. And when you there. shoot, you can't get leverage you no. know, off your back foot because you're on the ground. You have to come up out of the water with the ball right. and, and throw yeah. it. So the dimensions. Uh, what is the? What are the dimensions? The dimensions are. I'm not sure why. Probably gives a, them meters. A, a, it's got both. I'm going to give you in yards. Overall length of either 82 feet or 98.43 feet, and a width of 65.62 feet. I'm not sure. So let's just say it's 90. Let's just say it's 98 feet long. I'm talking about the yeah, pool. Right. Okay. Then I then I was. Uh, that's 30. Over 30 yards. It's 32 and yeah. change. 32 yards. Uh, so I was, you know, I was trying to, I'm trying to, I was trying to judge it on what I was watching on television. That, that, that's, but yeah, there's every, every 60 seconds, they're swimming 30 yards. Yes. And then they're going back the other way. It was just amazing. They throw the ball down and then you swim forward. You get it. You're trying to fend off. This is where yeah. you get smacked. And you, I, I guess yeah. they probably do have penalties, but accidental quote unquote yeah. you know smack in the face yeah. you have the ball you're tr- looking for one of your other players it's, it's it is I, I i yeah not to mention the occasional wardrobe malfunction well i <laughs> yeah yeah i don't know how often that happens but they occasionally. They're in speedos Steve i said think occasionally. so yes uh-huh. so anyway you you're right i i can't imagine anything it's like sprinting yeah. in water <laughs> I don't know how, how often they get to put subs in or whatever, but uh, 
They, if I got out there, they'd say, "I we we're in the first minute and a half of the competition, and uh, Tim Wildman has died." Uh, <laughs> hey, listen, you ever you ever tried running like when you're at the ocean? You try running in water that's yes. like up to your yes. uh, knees yes. or even your ankles. <laughs> Yes, it's 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 a yeah. face plant waiting to happen. Yeah. You got to give it to Tim Wildman though. He went out at his floaties. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, me. All right, Steve. What do you got? Mississippi is considering or is uh, there's a bill, a law in Mississippi that is going in front of the uh Supreme Court. It's a basically a heartbeat law which says that uh abortions after the 15th week of uh pregnancy are are going to be illegal in this state. And it is, it is a big challenge. It, it, it is one that I think the people who brought this lawsuit or who, who crafted this law hope that it's going to overturn Roe v. Wade. This is, the, this is what they're saying. And it is driving the left bonkers. There was a panel Which on... Which very it, few things do. Oh, I know. <laughs> huh? It's rare. What did you say, Ed? It's absolutely... The left going bonkers? Yeah. Go ahead, Steve. There was, there was a panel on MSNBC... Uh, over the weekend. Uh, mm. Tiffany, a balanced panel, Steve? Oh, totally. Okay. Uh, it's a conservative and a liberal okay. and just uh, having a, yeah. a nice, pleasant discussion. Tiffany Cross was the, is the host of this show. And I want you to hear what they're talking about with this particular, um, this particular the law. The case is Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. That's the case that is going to go before right. the Supreme Court. What you need to know before you listen to this, she's going to talk about a handmaid. There's a... There's a uh, Hulu show that's called The Handmaid's Tale is just dystopian. Yeah, the relig- religious people are the bad guys. Yeah, religious people are the bad guys. The, the women are women are subservient and everything. And Amy Coney Barrett was accused of being one of these during her confirmation, and they still haven't gotten over that. But listen to cut nine. When it comes to the Supreme Court, I am terrified that the Supreme Court may actually overturn Roe v. Wade. I know this argument isn't going on for a long time. There's a real-life handmaiden on the Supreme Court. It feels like we're 10 minutes from living in Gilead. Um, Do you think the Supreme Court will take up this case and potentially overturn a law that was so consequential in 1973? Mitch McConnell made it very clear that if he could deliver this to the evangelical movement, then it was a win. And that is why Trump did what he did. The Supreme Court holds everything. But sadly, recently, it's become very clear that they are a politicized entity in the way they have ruled. And we have to make sure that the American people show up for women, for with our allies. I venture to say if men could get pregnant, perhaps abortion clinics would be like Starbucks uh, everywhere. <laughs> that, their their uh, dream. <laughs> uh, hey, by the way, we're, wow. we are extending an invitation to uh, Attorney General Fitch hmm. of Mississippi to come on our program and talk about this because she was very outspoken the other day in her defense of the Mississippi pro-life law and her hopes that this would lead to the uh, overturning of the Roe versus Wade yeah. decision, which dates back to 1973, which made abortion legal uh, across the country. Now, again, we've we've talked about this before. Let's just play out the quote worst case scenario according to those MSNBC talk show heads we just heard right there. The one who said she was terrified. And that the Supreme Court has suddenly become politicized. <laughs> suddenly. It's all of a sudden an outbreak. Yeah, yeah. Right, suddenly, because of President Trump. Is it, can I just, is it, is it wrong to call those MSNBC 
people harpies. Is that is that considered like herpes? Sexist? Harpies. Oh, harpies. Is that considered like anti women? You're gonna have to explain to me what that is. Harpies. Harpies were in Greek mythology. Uh, you know what? I withdraw it. it, it har- you withdraw harpies your were, statement. Were flying. Okay, counselor. When, when people say stop harping on it, it comes. Oh, from, I got you. Yeah. Okay. It, it, I, well, I, would, no, I understand what you're saying. I'm getting us off track. You I, got to go no, back I to Greek mythology not, you know, and these winged not, demons. That's that's not profane or anything. I think yeah. that's an appropriate view of these people. Yeah. You know. No, no, you know, but listen. What I was going to say was, she said she's terrified that Roe versus Wade would be overturned. Yes. If Roe versus Wade is overturned, what happens is the 50 states get to decide through their legislatures, through their election of public officials, governors and such, what the laws regarding abortion will be. So those laws will reflect the feelings of the people of said states. Can you have said states? Yes. Okay. You're saying the will of the people? The will of the people. So I'm sure in New York State, it'll be abortion, nine months, government paying for it. Right. In the state of Mississippi, abortions will be no more. Right. All right. So, but, but see, uh, that's, that's what this lady's terrified. She's terrified that the states will have the decision-making process as it relates to abortion laws, which is how it was prior to 1973. Yeah. And the reason she's terrified is because abortion is sacred to women. On the left. In other words, they believe that everyone should agree that abortion is not only just the best decision, but it is a sacred right. And they are terrified that the Supreme Court might say, no, it's not. It's just like any other decision should be in the hands of the people of the state. I also want to point out that the last lady on this uh the, the the last harpy, MSNBC I mean the, the last person on the on the MSNBC MSNBC panel. I think it was Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. They're, 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 okay, yeah. so here's the conf- here's the utter confusion on the left. Okay, they believe literally because they're all in on transgender ideology. They believe men can get pregnant. Yeah. Okay, that's what they'll say. A woman who Birthing claims to be who, a woman who claims to be a man can get pregnant, therefore men can get pregnant. Yet she's saying if men could get pregnant, abortion clinics would be like Starbucks. So you are, first of all, what's her name, Lynn Cross? Uh, Tiffany. Tiffany Cross. Cross, You're admitting that there is a biological difference between men and women because actual men can't get pregnant, okay? And you are also saying that psychologically men and women are different because if men could get pregnant, then – they would insist that abortion would be around everywhere, like a Starbucks. So that's the utter moral and gender confusion that exists on the left. They can't even get their arguments straight. While they're trying to prove one thing right, they're undermining an argument on a, a whole different topic. I have to say, being on the left and trying to be consistent with all this stuff, 
Got to be as confusing as someone on the right trying to do business with only people who do family-friendly things all the time. How do you possibly keep it straight? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Straight. I like the way you used there that you word, go. too. I did, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Huh? You heterosexist. Okay. <laughs> totally. Um, all right, Steve, next story. Uh, you guys were talking about uh, the COVID uh, malaise, the, 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 the thinking, the science. We, were we, talking can't about. Get, we can't get enough. Well, I got, I got something to, to help you all along on that. Good. Bring uh, it back. Because you were talking about Fauci and following the science. Well, I was listening, or I heard a cut from a podcast. It's called Germ Warfare, J-E-R-M Warfare. And they were talking. Is this a video game? What is this? It is a podcast. Oh, a podcast. Podcast. And uh, this. uh, Like you know what a video game is. (laughs) When was the last time you played a video game? Pong. (laughs) (laughs) I did did play Pac-Man in college. Yeah. Galactica. Yeah. Back in the 80s. And a little MLB. um, uh, What was that? Atari. Oh, baseball. Back in the 90s. Okay. Or, That's right. And anyway, centipede and, and yeah. yeah granted, Gallagher. granted, I'm not going to make the game <laughs> video game major leagues. Okay, I, and I, there I, is I, such a thing. <laughs> well, anyway, uh, this uh, host was talking to a Texas A&M professor of medicine. His name was Peter McCullough, and you'll hear the question. The question is: If you had a uh, a globe, uh, what is it called? A, a snow globe? No, uh, the fortune telling globe. Oh, in front crystal of crystal ball, crystal ball ah. in front of you. What would it tell you about? pandemic you and just to be clear who are we about to hear we're about to hear the host ask this question of texas a&m professor of medicine dr peter mccullough a doctor who is a teacher. i'm ready let's okay. hear it this is cut 11 i i have to tell you i personally think that something has gone very wrong in the world the whole medical the bioscientific underpinnings have been uh, broken we're off our moorings we're not having evidence-based medicine there's something going on in the minds of people. There's almost a, a worldwide contagion of a neurosis. A neurosis is some type of disordered thinking that's spreading from person to person. That's probably more contagious than the virus is right now. And this disordered thinking is, I think, rooted in fear, distrust, rooted in anxiety, and it's spreading all over the world, uh, making individuals come up with the most ridiculous decisions like not treating the virus early, uh, forcing unsafe vaccines on one another, having vaccines divide the workplace and schools, dividing families, having people wear masks when they're you know driving or jogging or swimming. I think we're in for about a three to five year period of, of turmoil. And I think it's mental turmoil in human beings. The types of things I've seen in the minds of people right now is really alarming. This is what I've been thinking for a long time now, but haven't been able to put clear words to. I, I agree with this guy. You know, the, here's... I hope you like working there. Oh, yeah, uh, be, because he, <laughs> this guy's going to get canceled, you think? Yeah. He, he's certainly not going to get any of his stuff on uh, he's Twitter. He's a physician or, at Texas A&M University? A professor. Like their, a professor. A professor. A professor of medicine. Well, probably, medical maybe school. he's got tenure. I don't know, but uh, anyway. Well, the postmodern movement, which was that all truth is relative, especially when it comes to morality, where that's the way we've... Uh, addressed it for the most part over the last decade has really undermined uh, confidence in any kind of truth. That's why you have students who will say things like mathematics is racist, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so you get people like this who uh, listen, I don't believe that all scientists are, 
you know, are, are, are corrupt. I think, I think most scientists, probably 95% of scientists love what they do. They are earnest in their professions. They try to go where the truth takes them. You may have a certain percentage who have been corrupted by money and grants and all that, but I think most of them are trying to find the truth. And they are, they are seeing the, the, uh, scientific method and respect for actual facts being undermined by not only the postmodernist movement, but the cancel culture movement. And so it doesn't matter if you have science on your side. That's what I was going with the, the women on MSNBC. Mm-hmm. They, 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 they will not, those, if you had a different discussion with them about transgender ideology, they would say there's no difference between men and women, and a a man who claims to be a woman, uh, I, I'm not even going to mention what they, uh, you know, in terms of, well, I'm just not going to go, but a man who says he's a woman it can get pregnant, or vice versa. A woman who claims to be a man can be, is actually a man who can get pregnant. That is not rooted in science or biology. It is a political ideology that has kicked science and biology to the curb. Absolutely. And that's what this gentleman is trying to say. It, is. it, it must be distressing for real scientists yeah. and, and astro- astronomers and mathematicians. They must be going, what, what is happening here? It, math isn't racist. Yeah, I, but they can't speak out or else. Yes. Yeah. So I, I, I certainly understand why he's so distressed. Yeah. All right, hey, uh, let's end on something a little more positive. Um, I am a fan of Mike Pompeo, the former uh, Secretary of State under President Trump. He will be delivering a speech at the Reagan Library tonight, and it's called A Time for Choosing. And he is going to lay out his prescription for the Republican Party going forward. This is what the Republican Party should be about. And it's not it has nothing to do with whether President Trump is there or not. He says there are four virtues that must guide and define the GOP in America. They are vision, hope, gratitude, and forgiveness. And they come from our faith. He is centering, he says his message centers on his faith in God and the need for religious organizations of all faiths to stand firm about returning a moral core to America. Now, talk in, a voice in the middle of the wilderness. Right. But so true. Um, I do like Mike Pompeo, and I think he's exactly right. If the Republican Party ever decided to distance distance itself from Christians in this country who are politically active but who see the world from a biblical perspective, it would be an unmitigated political disaster for the Republican Party. They cannot they cannot distance themselves from that I've group of people, Americans. Uh, I've, I've talked to people who've known – uh, Mike, Secretary Pompeo, he's from the he's from Kansas, and everybody I've talked to speaks really highly of yeah. him, of of his character, yeah, and his Christianity. And prior to him even becoming Secretary of State for for President Trump, I gotta give the guy kudos for hanging in there with Trump for how many years? Four, <laughs> four, yeah, <laughs> huh? Right. No, he, I don't think he started three, out. Was he three or four? I think he, he wasn't the first I'm just saying President State. Trump might not be the easiest person to work for right. sometimes. Right. Uh, and I, I you know, love President Trump and what he did for our country, but uh, he, he, he can be a tough boss. Yeah, because like one day 
you're the greatest right. since sliced bread. The next right. day, not a very nice right. person. That, yeah. that's, that would be hard to work with yeah. and work for. Yeah, uh, But uh, Pompeo and uh, President Trump uh, got along very good, I guess, for, for all those years in office. All right. Thank you, Steve. My pleasure. My thanks to Ed, yes, Fred, sir. Brent Creeley, our producer. And uh, I would thank myself, but it'd be self-serving. <laughs> See you tomorrow, everybody. <laughs>